Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. When I was lost, I would have been a terrible father. But because of Jesus Christ coming into my life, he helped me and my wife raise godly kids. And I can tell you absolutely, this isn't preacher talk, that the most important thing was that my kids would love Jesus. Now, I grew up with five other brothers, six boys in our family, all boys, no girls, all athletes, bodybuilders, and we love sports. And it would be so easy to want my kids to be the best athlete in baseball or basketball. And I could feel that tension. Then they would ask our kids to play travel ball. Now, I'm not saying if you play travel ball, that's wrong. But I'm saying for me and my family, we decided that we wanted our kids to love Jesus more than sports, more than anything else in the world. We figured if he wanted them to be in sports, he would cause them to excel during the week and they would not have to play weekend ball and be gone from the family of God every week. Boy, to God to answer our prayer. So we're so proud that all of our children love God and have married godly spouses and godly children. God, you know it's because of you. And I give you the praise and thanks. Now, I want to say something to... Sheridan Hills, I see you guys there. They didn't mention one other thing, if you allow me. I remember you telling me something this week. License plate, right? So Sheridan House, of course, remember, they ministered to the community. And how do they, how do they go about doing that? Okay, you'll have something in the back, back there? or Okay, stand up. Both of you stand up. They both work at Sheridan House. That's John and Amy. And... You buy a license plate, and, and I guess somehow you exchange it, and when you exchange it, you get their plate, and then uh, they, they need a few more. They need a few more. They've been going around the churches, and they have, I don't know, how many do you have already? Almost 3,000, and you need to reach 3,500, and that's their goal. And uh, then when you, I guess, pay your taxes or renew, a portion of that goes to Sheridan House. So you can imagine the kind of resources they can accumulate to help meet the needs of all those boys and girls. Okay? So just saw that face. Thank you for that ministry. So you'll want to meet them after the service. We're not preaching a Father's Day sermon. I didn't preach on the Mother's Day sermon, so I wouldn't get in trouble. Okay? I got in trouble enough when I mentioned the five needs of a woman and the five needs of a man. Let me tell you what, you wouldn't believe the emails and the talk that I got from those things. So I'm not about to go there. What I do want to do is honor God. You know, I was thinking about Jesus, and when I'm singing those songs, I actually personalize them, and I say, you. I talk to him, and I'll stop singing, and I'll actually talk to him. Perhaps you do the same thing. And how many have watched Chosen? Raise your hand. You've watched the series Chosen. Good boy. If you haven't, it's almost actually 200 million now. What it helps me see is God as a man. 
and how he walked the face of this earth. And I imagine he laughed because he created laughter. And he talked about trivial things. He knew they were trivial, but I'm sure he talked to them about that. But then he turned the corner and he got a little serious. So I, I, I imagine today God is well pleased that we sang and worshiped him. Then we got a little silly for a few minutes with the jokes and, and what kids have to say about dads. Now we're kind of turning the corner. So if we can turn our, our serious button, that's hard for me to do sometimes when I'm acting like a commodian, sometimes with a bunch of my friends. But now's the time to be a little serious as God speaks to you. Open up your mind and heart for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Those watching in online, we want to welcome you. And those here today, we're going to talk about this subject. Do all roads lead to heaven? This all-exclusiveness in the culture that we have today is dominating extremism, so they say. So we want to talk to God about that this morning. Do all roads lead to heaven? Now, some of you may have expected us to continue on our path in the book of Romans, and we will pick that up in a couple, a few weeks. But we'll, we're going to do sort of, a, we call it a one-off in the ministry, as Jacob calls it, a one-off. And uh, this is the one-off. Perhaps even next week or the week after, I'm going to speak on the subject of heaven too. Do all roads lead to heaven? Let me start with this little one-minute clip. There are millions of ways to be a then human how do you being, please God? And, and many ways, no, but many paths right. to what you call God. Well, I am a Christian who believes that there are certainly many more paths to God other than Christianity. You know what? She's right. There are millions of ways to God. There are as many ways to God as there are religions, philosophies, and other beliefs, and they all end in judgment. Hmm. I, wa I wanted to show that to you because she is a very, very popular woman. I'm not picking on her. She actually professes to be a Christian, but she has a big, large tent in her beliefs. Is she right? Is the world right? in that proclamation that all roads lead to heaven. Well, our text, John 14, 6 through 7, rebuts this truth or seeming truth. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Kind of reminds me, try to go see the President of the United States. Try to go directly. Some people tried to do that one time. They failed. But you can't get to the President without going through people. So we understand that concept, that it's not far-fetched. And so I want to remind you that all roads do not lead to heaven. All roads lead to heaven. Have you ever heard this before? In this postmodern idiom would have you believe that it doesn't matter at all what you do or how you do it. The end result will be the same. It basically implies that there is no right path, no true way to eternity. They believe the world, those who believe in that concept, they believe in pluralism or in inclusivism. And they re reject extremism. 
According to Pastor James Emery White, one of the most pervasive fundamental convictions of contemporary American society, all roads lead to God, says, what is true for you is true for you. What is true for me is true for me. The sheer number of faiths from which to choose convinces people that there is more than one path to God. Religious pluralism has existed for centuries, but people have never been exposed to as many faiths or faith options as we are today. So therefore, they believe it's okay, it's right. As the number of religious options increase in one's mind, the idea that one option represents ultimate spiritual truth lessons. Here's the thing, though. Just because there are a lot of options doesn't mean ultimate spiritual truth isn't real. Consider our multiple choice test. There are several answers to choose from, but only one is correct. And so it is as it pertains to God. Heaven and life, there is only one path. There is only one gate. There is two groups of people. There are two gates in the scripture. There are two narrow paths. There are two decisions. There are two foundations in Matthew chapter 7. Actually, there are two. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Let me read that particular scripture from where that comes from. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. You thought there was only one way. Perhaps Christianity is joining the world and saying there are many paths or many roads that lead to God. Here's how the scripture reads. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and, it, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. You have to understand, it's two paths, two gates, two roads leading to heaven. That's what everyone believed. Now, to some, this narrow way, this one gate, this one door, this one path seems very harsh. It will seem very narrow-minded in the generation that we live today. It may even seem daunting and something that's truly impossible to know. But I believe that every single one of those issues, every concern, doubt, reservation, hang-up, Fear crumbles at the feet of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. But let's for a moment entertain the idea of what the world thinks about all roads lead to heaven, and then look at what religion has to say, and then finally, what Jesus has to say about all roads lead to heaven. The world says there are many ways to heaven. 1 Corinthians 15.50 reminds us that, first of all, you can't exist in space. It doesn't say that in that passage. You and I know you can't exist in space without a spacesuit. And the Bible tells us this flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 
What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. So the world tries to craft their own or carve their own path to heaven. They say one path is good as another. But Proverbs tells us that's not true. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a path before each person that seems right. All paths are good, well talked about, but this one says, but it ends in death. Let me say that one more time. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. One path. Now, so many people have piped in on this particular subject, but I want to ask you this morning, are you actually going to believe those professors that tell you, the media that tells you, the movie stars that tell you, the athletes that pipe in on this subject and tell you, all paths lead to heaven. Well, you'll be in good company. You'll feel very, very comfortable on that path because it's wide and a lot of people are on it. They think we are too narrowly minded about the way to heaven. And let me tell you, in light of the last two years, I do not trust any of those I just mentioned. Media, stars, athletes, they're going to pipe in on spiritual things. <laughs> ah, let's go to one guy who was brilliant in this lifetime. How many know who Stephen Hawking is? Hmm. He was quoted as saying this about life after death. I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for a broken down computers. That's a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. I, I wanted my secretary to put this on the screen, but there were too many cuss words in them. But if you go to the Stephen Hawkins site, they have a lot of comic strips on him. His little scooter rolling by heaven, the pearly gates, and goes, oh, my. He sees heaven, and he realizes he's wrong. He knows that right now. What's sad is his crumpled up body is alive and well. And he's suffering right now because he did not believe in heaven. Jesus replies to this concept that counters Stephen Hawkins' belief that there is no afterlife. Hebrews 9.27 tells us, And just each, each person is destined to die. Duh! We all know that. But after that comes judgment. We will be judged what we did with Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a question. This important subject about the hereafter, living forever and ever and ever and ever, is it something you're going to leave the chance? Would you forego insurance on your car? 
your home, your life, in the hands of chance and good luck, or in the hands of an athlete, or the media, or some professor. Even some of the professors I studied under, I questioned, because some of them made me doubt the scripture. We'll get to that when we get to Romans 9, 10, and 11, which is sort of a parenthesis between sin and salvation and how to live out your salvation. It talks about God's plan for Israel. And so many professors have written off Israel and say that the church replaces Israel. Hmm. That means all the prophecies in the Old Testament are void. And these are mainline evangelical denominations and churches that believe that the church has replaced Israel. We'll talk about that at a future date. Here's the reason I'm not going to trust the world besides looking out the window in the last two years of the lies. Remember, remember, every man and woman has sinned. Remember that every government, every institution is corrupt. You think We are going to believe the world about anything that's going on right now? Isn't it amazing how Christians see things so different than what we hear on television over and over again? Who are you going to put your trust in? Who are you going to call? Sounds to me of a Marooney commercial, I think. Okay. The world has a different view about the age of the earth. You ever notice that in the, in the books that children read in first, second, third, fourth grade? It, it's gone from 1 million to 10 million to 50 million to 100 million. Do you know how old the earth is now, according to the books in school? 4.5 billion years. They keep adding to it because the further away they get, the more you can't examine the evidence. <laughs> Duh! You can't examine the evidence. It gets further and further away from us. So so I'm going to trust these scientists, these professors, these teachers who tell us the earth is real old when God's word teaches us it's a young earth. How many believe in a young earth? Raise your hand. How many believe in an old earth? Usher that person out, please. No, (laughs) this is season. So I'm not, going to, and I'm not going to try to tell you how old the earth is. I, I have a sneaking suspicion it's between six and 10,000 years. But listen, the bottom line is God created it. It doesn't matter how old it is. But again, Christians, in order to appease um, the evolutionists, came up with a nice coin phrase. You know what that phrase was? I'll tell you later. To justify how old the earth is. It's called theistic evolution. So what they want to do is God created the earth, but they want to make allowances for how old the earth is. So they came up with theistic evolution, that God uses evolution to create man. We know like that man and woman was created. What about their view on marriage and gender? you're going to trust the world that all roads lead to heaven? They can't even get the sex right. I mean, oh my goodness. Genesis 1, 27 
in Genesis 2.24 reminds us God got it right. He said, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Genesis 2.24. This explains why a man leaves his daddy and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in the one. And the world cannot get that right. Not only can they not get it right, they lie about it. Not only do they lie about it, they write laws against God's work. Christians, you better wake up and smell the coffee. Because if you can buy into these lies and identify yourself with these kind of people, you're not going to be able to be prepared in the end times that I believe is upon us. And you just might take the mark of the beast. And then you won't be able to buy, trade, or sell. Can't you see that on the horizon already? Can't you see it? It's coming. And already some of you don't know how to take me serious when I talk about some things, and I have to be so careful about how I say it. But it's the truth. The world's lying to us. I'm not going to trust them. They can't get it right about the age of the earth. They can't even identify gender. The world's view about life. They don't even know whether someone's alive or dead. That's because all those up in Washington are dead. They're viewing life. The microphone to a particular part. When does life begin? Kind of like that picture of Beckham up there a little while ago. They're silent. They cannot give you a time when they will say, Life is three months, six months. They're born. They're alive. Now we got governors saying they can be killed. We're going to trust them when they tell us all roads lead to heaven? They can't get it right about when life begins, which is in the womb. Here's, what about morality? Morality. Ah. How many of us were comfortable in the world's morality? I mean, there was no fights. We partied. We did what we wanted. In fact, the Bible tells us throughout the history of mankind, here's what they do in Judges 21, 25. It speaks about a particular nation, but can be embraced by every nation. In those days, Israel had no king. Here it is. And all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. I was reading yesterday in the paper. I stopped watching news, by the way, on television. Maybe 1%, 2%. I get mine all from my secret, secret journalist. If you want to know, ask me, I'll tell you. If you, if you just want to be lied to, go ahead. Just turn on the television. It's one big lie. Everybody does what's right in their own sight. And there is so much criminal activity going on now. What they're doing is they're going into drugstores, Walmarts and Walgreens, and they're stealing, and they can't do anything about it because there's not enough cops on beat to take care of these problems. And they know that 
the judge basically weighs their hand at them if they steal something, I think it's less than $950 or something like that. So they know they're not going to be prosecuted. And they're going to preach to you and me morality? We're living in a day and age that everyone is beginning to do what's right in their own sight. So are you going to trust them? Are you going to put your trust in the world? They don't know when it began or when it's going to end or how it's going to end. Many believe it has always been and always will be, which contradicts their own scientific findings. <laughs> I always like to take the great PhD scientist and say, well, what about the first law and second law of thermodynamics? To me, they contradict one another and they contradict evolution. Basically, the first law of, thodamic, uh, first law of thermodynamics states that the energy cannot be created or destroyed in an isolated system. They believe we're in an isolated system. Scientists believe that. And the second law of thermodynamics states that entropy of any isolated system always increases. Now, entropy, the definition of entropy, for, for you that have inquiring minds, means lack of order or predictability. Gradual decline in disorder. How in the world then can you get organization out of chaos? So the second law of thermodynamics really contradicts evolutionists. Are you going to put your trust in the world that tells you there is all ways to God? What about religions? Hmm, they probably have the answer to this question, right? That all roads lead to heaven. You would think the religions of the world would be different than those who have a worldview about all roads lead to heaven. The only major difference? There's a name tag. Religion. Religion. We'll get to that passage. Just keep it up there for a second. Two sisters went driving Sunday afternoons with the goal of getting lost, taking random turns at intersections, trying new roads, going farther and farther afield. They had an adventure each week. They started and ending, the starting and ending points were the same, but the path or their paths were totally different. Is this how it is to heaven? This is the common view, said Dalai Lama, people take different roads seeking fulfillment and happiness. Just because they're not on your road does not mean they've gotten lost. Many believe all religions are essentially alike, different roads to the same heaven. Eventually, they say, all Jews, Buddhists, Hinduists, Muslims, Catholics, Protestants, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Mormons, and perhaps even some atheists, agnostics, humanists, communists, and Gentiles will wind up together. They couldn't be more right. Did a light bulb go off in your head? Their destiny, as they said in one of those famous movies that I haven't seen hardly any of them, their destiny is in common. 
Here's what some of the major religions say you have to do to get to heaven. Judaism. See salvation as a day of judgment, but you get to heaven based on works. Jesus tried to constantly counter that. Remember, they believed there was two paths. There were two gates. There were two groups of people. There are two destinations. But Judaism refuses to say that Yeshua is the only Messiah. Christianity says there is no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Hinduism. Is Hinduism right? Hinduism sees, I'm not going to try to give you an indoctrination on their, the religions, but specifically pertaining to do all roads lead to heaven. Hindus see a plural and impersonal God. Polytheism is the worship of or belief in multiple deities, which are usually assembled into a pantheon of gods and goddesses along with their own religions and rituals. And then one day they may be with Brahm, the godfather of gods. Hindus have no central doctrinal authority and yet have many practices. Hindus do not claim to belong to any particular denomination or tradition. Hindus do believe in an afterlife, but not the same way as Christians, Jews, and Muslims do. According to Hindus, there are multiple worlds or realms or a soul can go during their transition between death and the rebirth into the next life. Sounds like something you'd like to buy into. All roads lead to heaven. Buddhism. They grade you according to the four noble truths and the eightfold paths. Buddhists seek to reach a state of nirvana. Hmm. I know a lot of people in the 70s in the hippie era that tried to achieve nirvana. That went over, I hope. Well, following the path of Buddha, who went on a quest for enlightenment around the 6th century, there is no belief in a personal God. Buddhists believe that nothing is fixed or permanent and that change is always possible. They don't believe in heaven, but try to reach some sort of paradise. Heaven is not a real place, but a mental state. Hmm. How would you like that, heaven? All roads lead to heaven, according to them. Christians believe in one life, one death, and a joyful eternity. Save by grace. Muslims, the second largest religion in the world, you gain entrance according to the duties of the five pillars. Or you might gain entrance by giving up your life. And when you give up your life at the door, there's going to be 10 virgin women. They actually believe that. Islam says Jesus was not crucified. Oh, they believe in Jesus. It's in, their, in the Koran. They know who Jesus is, but he did, did not die on the cross. But the Bible says Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate, buried, and on the third day rose again. Who's right? Who are you going to put your confidence in? Humanism. Human and humanism doesn't even acknowledge a creator of life. That we're here by accident. Some, when you talk about eternity, say this. Death is a step into the great 
perhaps. How would you like to put all your money on that for your eternity? Christians believe Jesus' claim that he is the source of life and all that was created was created with Jesus. Every non-Christian religion says you can be good enough to get to heaven. Christianity says you must come through the cross. You know what spiritualists? They read palms. Christians, they read the Bible. Which one are you going to put your trust in? Spiritualists believe developed during the early decades of the movement, a core belief of spiritualism is that individuals survive the deaths of their bodies by ascending into a spiritual existence. A person's condition after death is directly related to the moral quality of his human existence. Communion with the spiritual world is both possible and desirable. And spiritual healing is the natural result of such communication. The spiritualists understand God is infinite intelligent. One last thing about the spiritualists. They believe in heaven, but they do not believe in any bad place. Oh, I could pack this place with that kind of preaching. There's a place out in Texas you can go. Oh, I, I won't say the name of that. Actually, here in Fort Lauderdale, too. What about an atheist? Let me tell you what an atheist said. He's a famous person over in Europe, in Britain, but we know about him in the United States. How many know who Stephen Fry, the comical comedian, is over in Britain? Anybody know Stephen Fry? Well, I guess he isn't that famous, huh? He was being interviewed by... Brian, who was talking about heaven and hell and eternity and God. And when he was asked about God and heaven, he said, well, I quote, suppose it's all true and you walk up to the pearly gates and are confronted by God, the interviewer asked. What will Stephen Fry say to him or her or it? The 57-year-old Comedian said, I'd say, bone cancer in children. What's that all about? How dare you? How dare you create a world to where there is such misery that it's not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. He goes on. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world that's so full of injustice and pain? That's what I would say. Brian's second question, and you think you're going to get in like that? Only served to fuel his fervor. But I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to get in on his terms. They're wrong. Now, if I died and there was Pluto, Hades, and if it was the 12 Greek gods, then I would have much more track with it because the Greeks didn't pretend to not be human in their appetites, in their capriciousness, and in their unreasonableness. They didn't present themselves as being all-seeing, 
all wise, all benefit, because the God that created this universe, if it were created by God, is quite, he is quite clearly a maniac, utter maniac, totally selfish. <laughs> this was a really surprise to the interview. He really, he, he didn't know what to do. So atheism isn't not just about not believing there is a God, but on the assumption there is one. I've always said that about atheists. What kind of God is he is really what it's all about. He, he was visibly staggered by Fry's answer, and he said, this sure is the longest answer to that question I've ever got in my entire series. An atheist. All roads lead to heaven. Christians, followers of Jesus, believe salvation was paid in full by God in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and has given us a free gift, grace, through faith, we can receive eternal life. Not after many reincarnations. Jesus is not just another religious leader or another face on the Mount Rushmore's of faith. He said, I am the way. He could have just said, well, there is a way. Let me tell you about that path. No, he said, I am the way. His followers didn't soften the message at all. They claimed that Jesus was the way. Peter said, there is no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. So do all paths lead to heaven? Matthew 7, 13, 14, again, I wanted to get back to that passage, said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gates. The highway to hell is broad and its gates wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Hmm. It's one of the only ways you can come to God. You cannot come into a crowd. You cannot do what one of these religious leaders did and sung him moon and brought everybody before him and then sanctioned them all married. You cannot get to heaven that way. You have to come on your own naked before God and then come into the family of God. Well, let's look very quickly in ending about Jesus said he is the only way. The world has a hard time about it. Isn't it amazing how they'll accept you if you are very inclusive? But they will not accept you if you are not. Enter through the narrow gates. One path leads to heaven. Jesus, in fact, the only way by which men and women can come to the Father. He said there's no other way. Now, if this seems offensively exclusive, let it be borne in mind that the one who makes this claim is the incarnate word, God in the flesh, the revealer of the Father. If God has no avenue of communication with mankind apart from his word, mankind has no avenue of approach to God apart from that same word who became flesh and dwelt among us in order to supply such an avenue of approach. 
Again, John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Let's quickly look at it. Christ is the way, Christ is the truth, and Christ is the life. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I'm the way to salvation. He is the way to, these are fancy words, justification, righteousness, acceptance, and communion with the Heavenly Father. Christ is the only way of salvation. No one can come unto the Father but by me. There is no room for any other ways in that statement. It excludes every way except Christ's way. By the way, the church wasn't called, or the, it, our religion isn't the opposite of Judaism. It's called the way. Throughout the book of Acts, quite a few times, it uses the word the way. The way. Rightly used. He said, I am the way. The apostles taught people the way to God. Christ said he's the truth. I am the truth. This great, by the way, we've talked about this. It is so hard to find the truth. That's why, for the most part, when you come here, I don't want to give you what the world talks about. I want to give you what God has to say because he has truth. His word is truth. I am the truth. This great statement about Christ has an important twofold application. One, truth speaks of knowledge. Christ is the great essential truth to know. He is the one truth that must know how to be saved in order for us to be saved. Failure to know this truth will lead to eternity in hell. Pilate lost it all because of his failure to know the truth. He asked Christ, God himself, who was standing right next to him, what is truth? Truth also speaks of character. Being the truth, says Christ, is holy, pure, and sinless. He is the personification of integrity. Those who follow Jesus Christ, the truth, ought to manifest that truth in their lives. He is the truth. And finally, Christ is the life. Christ is the life. He said, I am the life. John 14, 6. Jesus has brought death. Oh, excuse me. Sin has brought death, and Jesus has brought life. Many folks look for life in a bottle at a party, in a needle, but life is in Christ. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now, this is not just a statement, but all of us who believe there were many paths to God, who have bumped into Christ and have embraced that truth. He is the truth, the life. He has changed our lives. No one can ever, ever argue with me. It isn't a philosophy. It isn't turning over a new leaf for most of us believers. He changed you and me from the inside out. 
There's no psychologist, neurologist, cardiologist that could possibly study and know how to do that. He uses unusual people like me. Some shrewd characters that have been, their lives have been transformed to proclaim this truth. And he changes you. The whole world is a liar. All of a sudden, I said, Jesus, you're the way. And now I'm not a liar. I I tried to change and I couldn't. All I did is whisper out loud, be my savior. And boom, fireworks went off. They didn't go off on the outside. But some things started changing on the inside. Life, truth. Talked about stealing. I've said this before. Stealing. It left me. And it left you too. And many other things you could fill in the blanks. We know. We know this is true. We know he's the only way. It's already begun. We don't have to wait till the party's over. Because the party has already begun now. You have passed from death unto life. Now you don't have to wait on Dominama. You don't have to wait on boozes until you reach Nirvana. You don't have to wait till you... Blow up yourself and meet 10 virgin women. You can know now for sure that this is the truth, the way, and the life. You can know for sure because what he said he would do in his word actually takes place. All these other religions, you don't know. You got to work. You got to be good enough in order to enter eternal life. I am with this conclusion. Buddha The Greek philosophers, the Indian mystics, they've come and gone. The world has had 5,000 years to discover the limitations and bankruptcy of these religions and philosophies. Jesus comes along in the middle of this. He spoke with authority. We need only to read in the Bible the Sermon on the Mount, the parables and the discourses of Jesus, the Olivet Discourses, the truths now being set before the disciples to discover that the Lord Jesus is in a class all by himself. He did not merely teach the truth. He is the truth. And he's the only one that came out of the grave. And all the Jews had to do was find the body and they would have snuffed this religion out. He was dogmatic when he said, I am the truth. He said, every religious dogma, every philosophical concept, every scientific theory, every political, economical, social, psychological proposition that does not ultimately find its center, sum and substance in him is bound in the end to prove itself wrong. Part of the bold dogmatism of Jesus is asserted in that all-exclusive statement of his, appended to this great claim to be the truth, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. No matter how rich, how successful, how religious, how moral, how upright, how powerful, popular you are, you come to God through Jesus or you don't come at all. That statement is not arrogant. 
It's true. Here, for instance, is a mathematical truth. Two multiplied by two equals do four. That is narrow, dogmatic, intolerant statement. Error says two times two is tree. Truth cannot accept that kind of tolerance. Since Jesus is the truth, he excludes all error, no matter how popular, widespread, ancient, or convincing it may be. No man comes to the Father but through me. That rules out all the world's false religions. It demands that all persons everywhere repent of their wrong ideas and come to him. Yes, death is a fearful thing. It is the undiscovered country from which, from whose born no traveler returns. And that darkness we finally must enter has no guarantees. Some find their consolation in faith, but there is no computer program for faith. We have to look for it elsewhere. I don't know about you. I'll go along with Jesus. He's the way. Would you stand at this time? It was so needed because this world says there are so many ways that are right. They accept everything and anything. But is it amazing to verify that they're liars? They say they're all inclusive. But over the last two years, without even naming the subjects, If you dare disagree with them, their way. Oh, I thought they were all inclusive, the world. The universities, our colleges are ingraining our children with lies over and over and over again. And you tell a lie long enough, they'll believe it. That ought to wake up every believer in the world to examine what they're saying. And all religions are what they're saying. And the proof in the pudding is your life and my life that they cannot argue with. But it behooves you and me if we call upon the name of Jesus. The characteristics of God and Jesus need to be in you and me on a regular basis for the world to believe your testimony when you tell them about Jesus. So if you're looking in on today, remember, admit that you're a sinner. Believe in the cross. He came out of the grave, and he'll give life to you if you believe in him. There'll be no more condemnation, no more judgment. Who, what religion has a message like that? We're going to invite you to continue to praise the Lord. You can come forward to pray. We're going to pray. If you make that decision, your next decision is to identify yourself with Christ and get baptized. If you're looking in online, go ahead to the comment section and fill it in and tell us what your decision is or what you'd like us to be in prayer about, and we'll be sure to get back with you. You come and continue to worship God as he leads you at this time. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.